week's episode of the top five report the podcast that has traveled through the peppermint forest trudged through the chocolate swamp and climbed the gumdrop mountains to rule Candyland with an iron fist my name is drew i'll be your host for the evening along with me as always is my brother peter here <laughs> what's happening man not too much i actually thought that was an elf reference until you said Candyland, but uh <laughs> no that's great <laughs> Uh, you didn't mention the forest of swirly twirly gumdrops or whatever it is. So, oh, I hear you. I was just looking for. Uh, I'm like, what's a good board game joke for the night? <laughs> no, absolutely. Candyland's uh, one of those board games that uh, I've. I feel like I've played it like only two or three times my whole life, and I have fond memories of it, but I have no idea how well it holds up. You know what I mean? <laughs> Right. <laughs> like, um, I know I've played sorry a couple times recently with friends and I, I hate sorry. Like, I feel like that game doesn't hold up at all. Cause I'm the one who never, um, is able to leave their home base. And I just kind of sit there stewing the whole time and it's, uh, it can be tedious, but, uh, <laughs> maybe that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> well, we can talk about it right now. If that's what you want to, if you want to cover. No, sorry. no, no. That's, cover sorry. <laughs> we can, we can do that. <laughs> That's all good. I just wasn't sure when the last time you played Candyland was, honestly, and I didn't uh, know if it I, held up. I honestly don't know the last time I played Candyland, but I fair enough. I, I do it. I do think it'd be kind of cool if someone did like a Candyland RPG or something like that, where like it told a narrative while you played. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we did the gritty reboots episode of ch- children's franchises, and I feel like Candyland would be a pretty fun one to do, like to do the horror, you know. Candyland sort of movie, the one that's kind of more akin to uh, Silent Hill or something like that. That'd be pretty great. Oh, that's <laughs> ooh, that's interesting. <laughs> Absolutely. Or like, or like Candyland is like a uh, is is that? I mean, that's trick or treating. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're out trick or treating and getting your candy for the night, and you know, you it goes from there. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know. The script in my head is forming. Anyway. <laughs> Um, let's, uh, let's jump on, uh, what are we watching? What are we reading, man? Let's just talk about it. I have watched one thing. Um, it's probably the most important thing we're going to talk about this week. And that is the suicide squad. So I don't know if you have other like smaller things you wanted to mention before we get to that review, but that's literally the only thing I've watched this week. (laughs) All right. Perfect. I, um, that's funny because I was about to say that I've been busy and haven't watched a lot of stuff either, but I have watched a couple things. And, uh, (laughs) so, uh, it sounds like you were busier than I was. Um, Yes, I did watch Suicide Squad, so we'll get to that momentarily. Uh, real quick, um, I started a documentary on Netflix called The Power of Grayskull. 
Um, it's basically a history of He-Man <laughs> Masters of the Universe. I'm about halfway through it. It's really, really good. Imagine, uh, take the episode uh, the, of the toys that made us uh, that they did of He-Man, but expound on it and like really like really cover it in depth. Like they're showing uh, old concept art and stuff. Like they're just covering it in a way the toys that made us couldn't because they were locked into a certain time frame. So crazy. That uh, sounds awesome. Cause I was going to ask how um, this compares to that toys that made us episode, but it's kind of like that. That sounds really cool. Turned up to 11 because they're able to cover more stuff uh, because they have a better time frame. That's a way of a good way of wording it. That's um, awesome. That's I do feel like uh, the He-Man episode of Toys that made us is like the hey Pete he must like they're all all the episodes hey, are really good, but I feel like that is the best one. So that's why I recommend to people. Hello. Hey, you're just breaking up really bad, dude. It's probably a weather issue. I'm gonna assume. Okay, you guys got bad weather right now. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a <laughs> there's a storm in our area. <laughs> Oh, cool. Good. It's been like a week straight of bad weather for me, but um, you know what? It's been a yeah, week no, of bad weather for me too. So uh, yeah, try and yeah. recap what you just said, if you could. Oh no, I was just saying the uh, that He-Man episode, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe episode of the Toys That Made Us is such like a must-watch episode. Like that series as a whole is really great, but if there's one episode I recommend to people that's like the you have to watch this sort of thing, it's that one. So a whole uh, documentary that kind of focuses in on that, like a lot more detailed, just sounds awesome. Is really that's kind of really where I was uh, letting off there, <laughs> if you will. No, I got gotcha. you. Um, so I I watched that. Um, I've I read. DC Comics Heroes in Crisis, um, which is really, really good, by the way. Um, it's I, I if you don't know what's going on in the DC universe, from what I'm gathering, from what I've gathered from it, is you probably could just jump in and start reading it if you really wanted to. But ultimately what it is, it's a uh, it's a look at the superhero universe that most people don't uh, tackle. And I don't know if Marvel's done anything like this. Um, I feel like this is a really unique situation, so it's not like um, trying to look at this and this. This just I just don't know if like because, you know, they borrow from each other all the time. I just don't know if Marvel's attempted to do this in the past. Um, what this is, is a story about how heroes, superheroes deal with stuff like PTSD and uh, trauma and dealing with it emotionally on an emotional level. So what's really cool about the book is uh, there's a place called Sanctuary. It's a hidden like compound uh, that the superheroes can go and get basically therapy. Um, and there's a droid, there's a robot um, who they talk to that provides the help. Like they're they're it's like a humanoid robot that you don't necessarily know is a robot when you're talking to it. If that makes sense. Um, and what happened, and it's just basically a therapy. So like you have a traumatic experience, you can go and like talk and get some therapy, whatnot, spend the night, couple nights, that kind of thing, just to kind of cool your jets in the story. There's a murder that happens at the very beginning. And like six or seven heroes were murdered right out in front of this place and the whole, and it was decimated and something happened and it becomes a mystery of who attacked the compound. Um, how did this leak to the public? 
Um, you know, that kind of thing. It's a really, really cool story. Uh, kind of emotionally jarring. There's a lot of big surprises in it. Um, so yeah, if you're looking for a, a good, like DC story to read, it's pretty solid. So that sounds awesome. And that's, um, one of the things I love about the superhero genre is there's a lot of, uh, ins and outs of it that you don't necessarily think about right away. And this kind of feels like that, like, you know, do superheroes need to go to therapy? Do they need to, you know, do they experience PTSD and then crafting a story around that concept? It just sounds really interesting. So that actually sounds uh, really cool. Um, I know you mentioned like this is this uh, series kind of focuses on some of the, um, not as well-known characters? Is that kind of what you were getting at? I was kind of curious um, who the main players were in the story. Well, it's ultimately, like, once the murder happens, it's Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman trying to, basically doing the detective work uh, with, the okay. help, with the help of the Flash. And, um, but the main players of the story are Harley Quinn and Booster Gold. They seem to be the main focus of the story. And then it ropes in, like, Wally West, Flash, um, and a cut and like Lagoon Boy and uh, Solstice and some like, I guess you could say C-level characters um, that are involved um, that if you're a DC fan, you're just like, oh, really? They're pulling that guy out of the woodwork for this story, um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, um, and then it kind of goes from there. So, well, that's that sounds like honestly just really cool. Uh, what what did you say this uh, arc was called again? It's called Heroes in Crisis. Okay. Um, like cool. I said, I'm catching up on comics, so it just kind of was like I always wanted to read it. So, yeah. Um, let's see. I also watched the assembled uh, episode of Loki, which is basically the making of Loki. Um, really, really great episode. Um, it makes me like this. Like I like I said, Loki was my least favorite of the three shows so far. It made me like the show much more after watching that episode. Um, and if you're not watching those like Disney plus shows, like the assembled shows or the, uh, or the Disney gallery for star Wars, you're really missing out. Those are some really solid programs. Um, I also, um, in the time of, and all this time that I've had to watch all that stuff and read things, I'm in the midst, I'm writing mode right now. Cause I have a script that I have a deadline to do. So I've been doing a lot of writing this week as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yes, I did make time to watch. Oh, wait, before we talk about Suicide Squad, uh, the Witcher 2 se Witcher season two trailer is out. I don't know if you watched it. It looks amazing. Um, and so it, I I'll keep going. No, I, I watched a trailer for The Witcher like I want to say a couple of weeks ago, and okay. I don't know if they released another one. But I yeah, from what I saw, I think it looks awesome. I do feel like this is another one because it was it was kind of a lengthy trailer and kind of gave me and I didn't read the books. This is a series. I don't know. I don't know the source material, but I know watching this trailer, I was like, wow. All right. I'm in. Like, let's 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 get back to these characters. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So I haven't watched this new trailer yet, but that's just good to hear because both of us are in for the second season anyways, but if this trailer is further selling it for you, that's just um, awesome. Were there any like highlights or anything you wanted to mention or does it just look like really solid, like just makes you pumped to watch this new season? Because I don't know the source material, it really just made me pumped to watch the new season. OK, like I nice. couldn't I like 
you know, like with Game of Thrones, when those trailers would come out, like I read all the books before the show. So I had the knowledge of knowing who characters were and stuff like that. And I could watch a trailer and get all excited and speculate with people. But I don't know these characters well enough for me to speculate. You know what I mean? They're still like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. OK, cool. You know what I mean? Like, it's just No, uh, yeah, yeah, I hear you. I, it's it's one of those things where I remember watching the first um the first season trailer and seeing different just creatures and stuff or different action scenes and just like, Oh, I can't wait to actually watch that. Um, so I didn't know if there was any moments like that for you, but I hear you because I haven't read the book series either. So I didn't know, I don't know a lot of the specifics, but, uh, I loved the first season. So I'm excited for the second for sure. Yeah. Okay. Otherwise, yes, I watched suicide squad. You ready to talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. All right. What are your initial thoughts, man? Okay, it's hard to know where to begin. Um, overall, I liked this movie a lot. I thought it was a good follow up to the previous Suicide Squad movie. And I think um, especially when it comes to the soundtrack and uh, some of the visual language aspects, I think they did a good job um, kind of making it. I mean, I don't know if in a weird way, it almost feels like an unofficial sequel because it's called The Suicide Squad instead of. Suicide Squad Part Two or something like that. But I think they did do a good job carrying on uh, the story just from a sort of like, you know, the artistic spirit of the first film. Um, there's certain aspects. There's really only like a couple complaints I could really have about this. Um, one is like uh, Idris Elba's character, uh, Bloodshot. I was not necessarily sold on him right away. And that's not to say that the actor or the character wasn't really cool, but uh, it's early on in the movie. There's like an exchange between him and his daughter where I was just like, this guy just comes off as an asshole. <laughs> like, I don't really like this guy. <laughs> and it took me like half the movie to be like, okay, I can be on board with this guy again. And I feel like that's just a subtlety to the writing that was just kind of rubbing me the wrong way at first. But um, other than that, like, I really enjoyed this movie. I think the visuals were awesome. Uh, there's a lot of awesome action scenes. I loved the characters that were in it. Some of them were maybe shorter lived, um, if you will, than I was hoping. But uh, no, other, overall, I think... Uh, I liked it a lot. Um, I don't know. I'm sure I'll probably have more to say as you kind of give your review. What's your thoughts on this movie? Um, I loved this movie um, all the way through from beginning to end. Um, I will say that I'm uh, first off, I'm going to say spoiler alert ahead of time. I'm going to spoil the hell out of this, but you guys have all had time to watch Suicide Squad, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, um, that I did not expect <laughs> So, like, when the movie starts, I actually thought that was going to be, like, a mission that you were going to find out about the next big thing. And then they were going to have to go do the thing. Does that make Abs sense? Yeah, absolutely. I, I did I not. The same thing. I did not expect the entire movie to be one mission and the bouncing around in the beginning just to get it all set up. You're just like, oh, my God, it was just so clever. And there were certain things in the movie that were just so James Gunn from beginning to end, like certain camera shots and certain joke moments and certain things. I'm just like, God, this is James Gunn, like all the way. Um, <laughs> he Absolutely. basically DC let him do whatever the heck hell he wanted to with that movie. Um, and you can and it shows like from the script to the violence to the gore, like everything. He just had so much fun making this movie. Um, I love the little bits where like he worked words into the background, like. 
he worked in like three days later and three days earlier. And it was like on the toilet seat and like you got the flashback. And then it was like now was written in the leaves when the wind blew it into the ground. You know what I mean? They did that. They did that throughout. Um, yeah, I thought that was a really cool stylistic choice as well. Um, the uh, they had that. And then I did not expect like with the sheer number of characters in this movie, the sheer number of them that died blew my mind. <laughs> That's uh, what I was saying when I said some of them were a lot shorter lived. Um, just yeah. Holy cow. Like you just, you, they, they had big name actors playing certain things and then like they died and you're just like, Oh, Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> you know, I just wasn't expecting that. And that was, that was even awesome as well, just because it, it, was just a big shock like Nathan Fillion is in every one of um James Gunn's movies so when you see him and then you're just like okay dude this isn't like you know how far is he gonna make it and he only gets like 10 minutes into the movie you know um but he James Gunn does a really good job of making us fall in love with CGI characters you know from Groot to um King Shark and King Shark was fantastic I wasn't sure how I was gonna feel about King Shark when I realized the intelligence level of the character because we dealt like King shark. The first, I think live action version of King shark or CGI version we saw of him was in, uh, the flash and it was done really, yeah. and it was done pretty well. And then the next iteration of King shark for me after the flash was the Harley Quinn animated show. Um, mm-hmm. and he's voiced by Ron Funches. So it's, <laughs> it's comedian voicing the character. It's really funny. And then you get to this one and it's Stallone and it's very like simple words and the characters are really simple, but he's a machine. Like, you know, that, that scene where he rips the guy in half, that was just, I mean, I know oh, that was beautiful. <laughs> I understand it's gory, but the shot was just beautiful. You know what I mean? Like, so. Yeah. That's, that's one of my favorite. Uh, that's like a guilty pleasure for me as any movie or show or anime that does that sort of slice down the middle sort of kill, like rip them completely in half. I just, I love that. <laughs> Yeah, there were just little nuggets like that. Um, kudos big time for James Gunn for doing Polka Dot Man and making him not just making him not just the laughable DC villain that he always has been throughout the history. And you're just like, Polka Dot Man, what's that guy do? Polka Dot Man was a vital element to this film, and it was awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was one of my favorite. Uh, he was- characters um and i kind of feel like i don't know if i missed anything but the one thing with him that i kind of wish they explored further is i didn't know you know how he mentioned that he had a interdimensional disease that was causing his um sort of like colorful like giant blisters to pop out of his skin and he had to shed his dots once a day was that related to the sort of like gun sort of thing that he shot people with polka dots with? Like, would he shed his dots and they would go into that to be shot at people later? Or I, I just couldn't tell if those two things were linked. Does that make I, sense? I have a feeling they were somewhat linked. Like he, the, his weaponry was designed to help him expel the dots. Right. And I feel like that's probably something that I should have just assumed and i just kind of uh the the film didn't go out and completely explain that which is honestly fine it's just something i was still thinking about after the movie ended yeah not only is it fine it's okay like the stuff that if you even consider that there's a plot hole in that movie it's completely irrelevant because they gave you just enough information to get you from point a to point b and you could enjoy it and not think too much about it and just 
be along for the ride. Um, one of my favorite moments in the movie, and it's honestly because they put the words on the screen. Um, as a DC fan, I know that that's Starro the Conqueror. But when that thing breaks out and you see the full-size starfish on the screen and it says Suicide Squad versus Starro the Conqueror, I legit laughed out loud. But I laughed out loud not in the um, like funny sense so much that I was laughing as I can't believe they just did that. Man, this is awesome. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Um but yeah, and it was great seeing the like Starro zombies too, man. That was awesome. Um, I also thought it was cool how they had that one shot of the starfish that was surgically removed off the guy's head. Yeah. And you could see that like when the starfish attaches, it clearly like eats away at the head. So like anyone who gets on one of those, they're dead anyway. So it doesn't really matter. It's not like you're saving a life trying to kill the starfish. Um I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. I was like, oh, these people are toast. You know, you get one of those things <laughs> in your face, you're a goner. But it was just brilliant to, like, watch how it was all put together. So, yeah, there was some really dark, like, level um, government conspiracy stuff in there as far as the experiments they did with people on the weird little, like, uh, Starro minions and stuff like that. Um, yeah, that stuff was really, I mean, they only showed it for a little bit, but it was really, uh, there was kind of some cool, just really dark concepts um in there um i know you mentioned plot holes and there was one spot where uh it kind of bothered me at first and then i thought about it and i actually liked it and it's the part where um so harley quinn is um held captive by the um sort of uh, military general guy who ended up who ended up being like the makeshift shift president of this country they're in and uh she has this awesome escape scene like i think this is one of my favorite escape scenes i've actually seen in a movie like when i actually go back and think about each piece of that escape scene it's just really epic and just really cool and um i've mentioned it on the show before but one of my favorite justice league uh comic book arcs is the justice arc um that was drawn by alex ross i can't yeah. remember who wrote it but there's a line in it where joker is in arkham and he says I can get out of this prison anytime I want to because he's just that crafty and he has that many tricks up his sleeves. And this is a movie that showed Harley in action doing that. She's in a situation where you'd never think she could escape and it shows how she did it. And it was just really satisfying to see that. With all that being said, there's a moment in uh, this escape scene where she's standing in the center of this round room and there's guards coming at her from all directions. And she's kind of doing this cool move where she's spinning around and shooting all these different guards coming at her. And once she kills all those people, she drops her guns and she runs out of out of one of the doors. <laughs> and that's that's that spot bu bugged me because I was like, OK, you're surrounded by dead people who all have weapons and you're not going to pick up, you know, your guns ran out of ammo, but you're not going to pick up one of their guns to go into the next room. But the thing is, she this movie did a good job of showing Harley is that good of a fighter. She's that good at getting out of situations. And she actually is like a super skilled person and a person that you would want to have on a suicide squad because of how tactically and um, just handy hand to hand combat and stuff, just how advanced she is. And I think this movie 
this is where like at first that part bugged me. But as I thought about it, I actually liked it because I was like people criticized the first Suicide Squad movie because as all these characters were going up against Enchantress and they all had all these powers and, you know, Harley's just over there with her baseball bat. Oh, what's Harley going to do? And I think this movie really showed like. No, this is like a really good fighter. This is somebody who can hold it, hold her own. And this is somebody who has tricks up her sleeve where you would actually want her on her team. And that kind of justified why, um, you know, Rick Flagg wanted to make sure that they actually saved her from, uh, you know, from this prisoner situation that she found herself in. So that was a part that, like, I didn't like at first. And then I thought about it. I was like, no, actually, that's really that was a really cool touch. You know what I mean? Right. And I totally agree with that. The uh, the thing about Harley and it's not necessarily that she's a good fighter because we don't know, like, where she got that training. I mean, yeah, she's hanging out with the Joker. But if you think about it, she's honestly just a crazy person who doesn't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it makes her incredibly unpredictable because of like her relationship with the Joker and stuff like I don't have any like remorse or anything. So like I'm just going to keep going. Because why not? There's a survival yeah. instinct to it. But absolutely. She- but I think when I saw that scene, her level of skill with fighting, although it is unpredictable and stuff, I do feel like that scene did impress on me that she does have a high level of skill, even though it doesn't seem like she would, you know what I mean? It's that unpredictable, like psychotic sort of skill that you don't necessarily expect. But some of those, honestly, some of that choreography was pretty advanced in my opinion. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, I will say uh, James Gunn uh, said that Margot Robbie really did the key trick with her feet. Um, he said she was just able to instantly grab the key with her foot and then twist her arm herself backward to put the key in the lock from uh, from uh, in, in one shot. And he was like, oh, my God, that's a real bummer because um, there's a thing in front of her face is kind of blocking it. But if you look closely, you can see it really is Margot. Um, so, yeah, she really did that. And I, as opposed to like a stunt person or like, you know, doing it with CG and making it look proper, like um, she really did that. I thought that was pretty awesome to hear. Um, yeah, that that's really cool. Um, um, I want to go back and keep that in mind while I rewatch it. Uh, and yeah, I have I've only watched the movie the one time. I plan on watching it so much more because I just thought it, it was just fantastic. Um, did you watch the bonus scene? Yeah, I watched uh, both of them actually. Oh, yeah, I'm just saying, like, but you saw the bonus <laughs> scene at the end, end is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Um, but no, that was the, cause I was like, oh, Hey, he's dead. But so I guess the spinoff show is for peacemaker is going to be a prequel. And then I saw the bonus scene. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, all right. That works. Um, I yeah, will, absolutely. I went through the same thought process <laughs> to be honest. Um, I don't want to, I, I know I said I was going to spoil the movie, but I will leave this somewhat spoiler free. I am surprised about the Rick flag situation at where his character was left off. Just absolutely shocked about that. But that's okay. Um, we'll see where that goes. Uh, like I said, lots of people died in this movie. Um, I agree with that. And uh, he was one of the best characters carry out, carried over from the first movie. Like, by the time you get to the end of this one, I know we've mentioned there's a lot of spoilers here, but we're really only left with Harley as far as, like, one of the characters from the first movie. And like, I was even hoping that uh, captain boomerang was going to have more to do in this movie, but it is what it is. And with the Rick flag situation, I was kind of curious if that was more of a contract situation as opposed to a 
story situation. Like maybe uh, Joel Kinnaman, is that the actor's name? Like yeah, maybe yeah. he maybe he wanted maybe he wasn't going to be in for another Suicide Squad movie. And I mean, the way that uh, he died was very redeeming and it was like a really cool as just story arc wise. I think they worked it out really well, but it is disappointing to see him go because I did really like that character and I was hoping to see more of him in future films. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and that's it could have been contract. It could have been story structure. I don't know. Like sometimes sometimes you want to make a hard decision because it'll make it more compelling for the audience because they won't see it coming. Um, Absolutely. So, I mean, sometimes that happens in a writing room and you have to face that question. Um, they talked a lot about that with uh, Star Wars Episode eight uh, when Ryan Johnson was saying you sometimes have to make a hard decision to move the story along really, really well. Um so uh, whether you agree with that or whether you agree with that with episode eight is is irrelevant. It's just, you know, sometimes you have to look at that when you're writing stuff. Um, we could be talking about Suicide Squad for the rest of the night if I don't move on. Um, I mean, what? Well, well, you you did forget to mention the most important part. And uh, as I said before, there was two bonus scenes and. Yeah. Don't fret because Weasel's still <laughs> Weasel's still alive. <laughs> Probably the most important scene of the movie is the reveal that Weasel didn't die. And uh, I expect there to be a Weasel solo film coming up. I thought that was really great. <laughs> so, Yeah, Weasel still being alive. I thought was awesome. Um, <laughs> it makes me want to. I can't remember the specific way that uh, they made it look like that character died. So that's another reason to go back and rewatch the movie. But I just thought that was kind of a funny little touch they had at the end. There's a lot of reasons to go back and rewatch that movie. There's there's so much there and there's so much like attention and love to like the DC universe. It's so great. Um, I want to go back and just watch Polka Dot Man, dude. But Dave DeSmalshin was so good at that role. Um, Absolutely. But anyway, what I wanted to say was in terms of moving on, we do have to get to the news, but um, the they really someone released a lineup of the DCEU opening weekends, like box office totals for opening weekends. Uh, Batman v Superman is the highest with one hundred and sixty six million dollar opening weekend. The lowest is Wonder Woman 84, which is 16 million. Now, Wonder Woman 84 was released on Christmas Day in the middle of COVID. So, yeah, that, I'm not surprised. The next one up is Suicide Squad, the new one, the Suicide Squad with 26 million dollars. There are some people online that are kind of trouncing that right now. Here's what I got to say. It's we're still in the pandemic and there's still people scared to go to the theater. And a lot of people watch this movie at home on HBO Max like I did. Um, the reason I say that is you can't compare this box office dollars to like Batman v Superman. It was a different time. So the people who are online doing that really pay attention, man. Box office dollars don't mean the same thing they used to because there's a pre pandemic box office dollars meant something completely different. Now it's a different monster and we have to evaluate it differently. Um, so Twenty six million dollars. That's not horrible. I mean, it's not what, you know, uh, Black Widow brought in, but that's doesn't matter. You're it's two different comparisons there. Um, the movie was fun. Uh, Black Widow did not had the film. They had the Disney Plus release, but you had to pay for it on Disney Plus where this was go see it in the theater or enjoy it at home for free on my HBO Max. You know what I mean? So it's it's a different muscle. Um, DC is on the right track. So they're making real like Suicide Squad. The new Suicide Squad is definitely, in my opinion, one of DC's best. Um, and they're on the right track. Uh, the Snyder Cut 
um, proved that if they would have let that go originally, they probably would have been even closer to the right track where we want them to be. So I think everyone just kind of needs to relax and let it happen naturally. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Can't argue with, uh, any of that, but yeah, it is true. Like, I don't know, maybe at some point if Disney and HBO Max stops releasing stuff on their streaming services the same day as theaters maybe we'll see those box office numbers uh climb up again but it is kind of just a sign of the times and uh you know we're in the middle of a pandemic so you know (laughs) you have to take that in consideration but i agree with everything you just said so right well um like i said moving on uh dc news real quick um peter when i I'm curious of your opinion on this, if this is something you're going to jump on or you're just going to go, hmm, I don't know if this is conducive for my life. Um, Being the massive fan of Batman that I am, the Batman animated series hit Blu-ray and it was something that I had to get. Even though I owned the DVDs, it was something I had to upgrade for myself. So I ended up buying the Batman animated series Blu-ray. The Superman animated series will be released on Blu-ray October 12th. Nice. Okay. For the 25th anniversary. Is that something you're going to jump on? Or I just, for those people out there that collect this stuff, I thought I'd let them know, but I, I, you being the big Superman fan, is that something you'll jump on or not? I own them on DVD. I don't know if I'll upgrade that one just because, you know, Batman was, is the love on that aspect on my side. So, um, for me, it'll probably depend on the special features. Like I'll probably look into it more. Um, as far as I know, the, Superman animated series is still available on HBO Max, so it's right there at my fingertips. But uh, it's possible if they have some really cool behind the scenes documentaries and stuff like if there's some really cool special features, it might be something that I jump on. Um, I know that the Blu-ray picture quality is going to be a little bit better than streaming it. But um, yeah, it just kind of depends for me. Um, I've never been a stickler from for. uh, picture quality like i have a lot of dvds that i still watch and stuff like that I, and i you know i enjoy old video games and stuff like that so it is what it is but yeah i, I kind of want to look into this one a little bit further you know all right very cool well um on a batman note uh, val kilmer did an interview with ign about stuff in the general sense but he was asked about his time on batman and the movie batman forever um, and this is an interesting quote, and it's going to make you laugh because we all I think we have a love hate relationship with the bat suit from Batman Forever because that's where they put nipples on the bat <laughs> suit the first time. I didn't hate the bat suit. The bat suit, in my opinion, looked okay with the nipples that I think everyone had a problem with. But then it carries into Batman and Robin, you know. But Val Kilmer said this. By Hollywood standards, Batman is the ultimate leading role and a dream come true. I took the part without even reading the script. But whatever boyish excitement I had going in was crushed by the reality of the Batsuit. <laughs> now, <laughs> I, I don't know if that is specifically referring to the nipples on the Batsuit or something else, because uh, Ben Affleck, when he took the Batman role, reached out to Christian Bale and said, any advice for me before I go on to do Batman? And Christian Bale said, make sure you can use the bathroom uh, make sure you have a suit that allows you to use the bathroom when you need to. <laughs> so um, it could just be a hard suit to work with in general. No, you know, 
I absolutely agree with that, because especially when you look at those old uh, Batman suits, they were just like molded, like these molded rubber suits that just I could imagine those being super uncomfortable, whether it being just from a flexibility standpoint, like not being able to sit or stand in a comfortable position, but also like the idea of like, I just imagine you take off one of those bat suits and it's just kind of this gross bucket of sweat sort of situation so i can definitely see where he's coming from and as much as uh yeah i don't know if i'm on board with the nipples on a batman suit but i do have a soft spot for the batman forever suit like i do think it has its only own coolness and its own right but uh yeah i can definitely understand that when you think about that 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 suit was probably super uncomfortable you know (laughs) right Right. It probably was. All right. Moving on to Marvel. Um, Tom Hardy really wants to work with Tom Holland on a Venom Spider-Man crossover. He said, I hope and strongly with both hands push eagerly towards the potential that and and would do anything to make that happen. Wow. Um, (laughs) I'm going to say this, Tom Hardy. I'm glad you made that a public statement. But at the same time, we all want that, too. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I think. And I think Marvel and Disney are both listening. Marvel, Disney and Sony are all listening and they agree with you. And it all comes down to how it will work. Um, However, speaking of Tom Hardy and Venom and crossovers and all that stuff, this piece of news very well may be a spoiler. So if you want to keep it quiet, um, advance a few seconds. But this is a little bit of a spoiler. Uh, Morbius director accidentally teases Tom Hardy cameo. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Uh, Morbius director uh, Daniel Espinoza uh, may have let slip that Tom Hardy will cameo as Venom in Morbius, saying, when you look at the schedule and read names like Michael Keaton, Jared Leto, Tom Hardy, it feels really cool and really exciting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I got um, and you're like, what? I mean, I got a little bit mixed up there because I was thinking Tom Holland when you said Tom Hardy because their names are oh, right, right, right. so close. All right. <laughs> so I was like, well, real quick, wait, Tom Holland's gonna be Venom, but no, no, I get what you're saying, and that uh, that's super saying. What's up? Real True? quick, oh. yeah, you broke up there real quick. So basically, what you're saying is you got slightly confused because Tom Hardy and Tom Holland's names are so close together. But you understand that I'm talking about Tom Hardy. Did I get that right? Yeah, and it's one okay. of those things. Either way, I'm I'm here for it. You know, <laughs> I'm really interested in how this Sony Spider Verse is going to expand. So yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, it's a spoiler, but I'm really looking forward to that one. Right. Same here. And um, I'm gonna apologize. Uh, Peter's broken up a couple times. We've already announced that it's the weather. To be honest, if I was, if I could control the weather, I wouldn't be hosting a podcast. Um, <laughs> well, you'd be the the villain of the Avengers, the movie with Uma Thurman, and I can't remember I, the actor's name again. But. I would, but if I could be, if I could control the weather, I'd be rich. So, um, <laughs> you know, you know, some listeners sitting at home like, God damn, are they going to mention the Avengers on every single episode? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, also in Marvel News, um, Brad Winterbaum has been promoted to head of streaming television and animation for Marvel Studios. 
Um, this is a name that you might not be familiar with. Most people are like, okay, who's that? I will say this. You might not be familiar with him, but you are familiar with his work. Um, he has been with Marvel ever since the ultimate, uh, Iron Man documentary in 2010. He produced, um, he was a producer for, he was a unit producer for Iron Man three. He was a unit producer for Ant-Man, uh, Thor Ragnarok, Marvel Studios assembled the documentary series. He was an executive producer for Black Widow, and he was an executive producer for the What If cartoon that has hit Disney Plus. So he's been around for a while, and if you look at his um, uh, uh, IMDb page, he's only worked on Marvel stuff. <laughs> so, oh, crazy. Um, so he's a name that I don't know if he needs to be a household name so much, but it, that's a big move in terms of like premieres and, you know, that's a big move in terms of that kind of stuff. Um, so he's going to be the head of the uh, streaming television and animation, streaming television and animation for Marvel Studios. So, yeah, it sounds sounds good. It sounds like a solid track re- record. And uh, right. I mean, I don't know if we'll it'll be cool to see how this plays out behind the scenes. I feel like it's most people won't be aware of it, but let's hope he does a good job. And uh, yeah, sounds, sounds good all around. All right. Two really quick stories. And then we're off on our list. Um, This is kind of cool. How much manga have you read? I'm not going to say I'm like a hardcore manga fan, but I've read a decent amount. I've definitely gone through my, uh, Moments where I've binged through a lot and uh, certain series I enjoy mangas better than uh, animes, actually. But uh, why? What's this? What's the story? I'm kind of curious. I've I've read a couple mangas, not many, um, because sometimes I'm just like, well, let me just watch the anime. Um, But uh, Back to the Future is getting a manga adaptation in Japan. Um, (laughs) Crazy. I thought that was kind of cool. I kind of hope it like just to see that story told from that, I guess, uh, perspective is kind of interesting so i kind of hope it gets the american version so i can read it in english because i can't read japanese (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so i can't read kanji so um hopefully uh it gets an american version but i just thought that was kind of cool yeah that that is neat um the timing of it seems a little bit odd because i don't know of any other back to the future stuff that's coming out right now but uh definitely exciting um i know there was like there's manga adaptations of all the um, like Star Wars movies, and I haven't read any of them, but I know I've heard good things. I know there's also, also other like Batman mangas, and I think there's even a Spawn manga and stuff. And I, I kind of have never really delved into those, but it'll be cool to see how these play out. And if anything, it'll be cool to see that artwork, you know, see Marty McFly and Doc Brown and Biff like drawn as manga characters. That could be pretty fun, to be honest. <laughs> right. Well, also in an anime sense, um, Sony. Okay, so if you are an anime person, you probably know you you should know what Crunchyroll is. If you're not, Crunchyroll is basically the Netflix for anime. Um, is yeah. the wording it. Um, there's a lot of anime on Netflix. There's a decent amount of anime on HBO Max. There's actually a Crunchyroll tab on HBO Max. I'm really curious to see where that's going to go at this point, because Sony just closed its long gestating one point one seven five billion acquisition of the anime streaming service Crunchyroll following a U.S. Department of Justice antitrust probe. Sony is set to combine it with Funimation to create an anime empire. So Sony just bought Crunchyroll 
and Sony will be, and because of how Sony handles their anime and streaming stuff, it's probably all going right to Netflix. Um, I wonder what that's going to do to HBO Max. I'm not sure, but um, that could be some good. That could mean good things if you're an anime fan. Um, I like. There's a lot of anime I do like, so I'm curious to see how that's going to end up playing out in the big picture. But yeah, I mean, this is uh, as a fan, I think this is good news. I mean, I have HBO Max and Netflix, so I already had that Crunchyroll library, but. Um, I don't know. It's like with anime streaming, there's Crunchyroll and there's Funimation and it's kind of the two sides of the coin. And a lot of people argue over which service is the best to subscribe to. But um, if it's all going to be on Netflix, <laughs> that works for me because then I <laughs> don't have to think about that. So, And like I said, either way, like I have Netflix, I have HBO Max. So wherever Crunchyroll goes to, I'm still going to have access to that content. So I'm cool with that. Um but yeah, it'll be cool to uh, not have to switch between services to watch my animes, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, um, that's it for the news, man. Uh, do you want to cool. talk list for the night? Yeah, let's go for it. Sweet. All right. Uh, Ryan, uh, you know what to do. Um, it's time to run the list. So do me a favor and roll the thing. for the top five. Okay, Peter, it's time to yes. do the list for the night. Um, this was your pick. So do you yes. want to explain to our audience what we're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So this pick was, um, is kind of an unusual one and it might've been kind of hard. So I w hope it wasn't too hard, Drew, but I kind of wanted to go through our top five worst spoiler experiences. So that could be like the the worst spoilers you've experienced is kind of where I wanted to go. But if you couldn't think of five, you could think of maybe maybe you witnessed a friend have something spoiled for them. And it's just a really funny story or something like that. Um, that's kind of where I was thinking with this one. And uh, spoilers in general, I think it's a really interesting topic. It's interesting to talk about where people fall as far as whether spoiler, spoilers bother them or not. And I think um, there's just a lot of potential for really funny stories when spoilers are involved. Like I remember uh, there used to be this website called E-Bombs World. Uh, Drew, I don't know if you ever went on that website, but it was kind of YouTube before YouTube. Like it was the place you went to watch goofy internet videos before YouTube was around. And I remember there was a video on there of somebody who went to the premiere date of uh, when they first started selling um, the sixth Harry Potter book. Like, so this is somebody who waited in line at midnight and got the sixth Harry, Harry Potter book, um, which is uh, the Half-Blood Prince, I want to say. I might have that wrong, but they got the sixth book and uh, I'm going to spoil something. So I hope nobody minds. If you have not read or watched Harry Potter, you can feel free to skip ahead 30 seconds. But I they know. read... <laughs> they skipped to the end of the book and read how it ended and then <laughs> they got in their car and proceeded to drive around the bookstore that they were and yell out the window, Dumbledore dies. <laughs> they just yelled Dumbledore, Dumbledore dies at everybody, which is how that book ends. And the way the people reacted, these people who, who were waiting till, you know, midnight, uh, then, you know, the day it was released, the way the vitriol and the anger that they were yelling back at him and chasing his car and stuff. It was just so funny, even though that's such a uh, jerk thing to do. It's just a 
funny thing to look back on. And I love that sort of, uh, I think spoiler stories have that potential to be that amusing. So I thought this would be a fun topic to tackle, but drew, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this list at all. So this was, I found this list to be interesting. Like I have one where literally I didn't get a spoiler for the story at all. Something else spoiled this, the movie. Um, okay. You know what I mean? So like this, I found one, I got like three of them done immediately. And then the last two I found difficult to kind of piece together because I, I do it. I like to think I do a decent job of staying away from spoilers or at least trying to. So, um, yeah, we'll just have to talk through it. Um, I don't have any honorable mentions. I don't know where you sit, but, um, I do have two honorable mentions and they fall more in the line with the, uh, witnessing other things spoiled for other people that I just thought was funny. So I thought I'd bring them up. Um, the first one is one that I've seen people try to spoil for other people many times and they nearly always get it wrong. And that is the TV series lost. Um, Drew and I are both fans of the show. We've talked about it a lot on the podcast, but I love when people bring up lost and then somebody tries to spoil the last season and they get it mostly wrong you know like a common thing i'll see is like somebody brings up lost and then somebody else in the room is just like oh yeah they were all dead the whole time (laughs) and then i'm just like well not really you know that was like half of the last season but you don't exactly have it right and i just think that sort of knee-jerk reaction people have is really funny when that show is brought up yeah and that's and that's a thing too every time i hear someone say oh they were dead the whole time i'm like well, you didn't actually watch the show. Because <laughs> that is not what happened. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so it's funny, like that is an incorrect spoiler. So I'll tell you this right now. We could probably do an entire show just on Lost if I really wanted to. And not, not a whole podcast, but like one episode. They did not. They were not dead the whole time on Lost. If you watch the show, there's way more to it. Pay attention. It's actually really kind of brilliant how they left it. And you can argue all you want about that show being planned out, not planned out, outlined, storyboarded, however you want to say it. At the end of the day, I think they did a brilliant job of doing what they did with that show. Absolutely. And they and they uh, they explained it in the last episode that they didn't all die. Um, There's actually specific lines of dialogue delivered by by Jack in the episode that. uh, really explains it, I think, pretty straightforward. But uh, I've also heard interviews with Damon Lindelof, you know, one of the main writers on that show, and he's confirmed everything that happens on the island actually happens in real life. So um, just to confirm that. But I do think that knee jerk reaction is really funny. Um, The other spoiler experience I wanted to bring up (laughs) and this one I just mentioned. Yes, as an honorable mention is this is one where uh, So I was hanging out with a couple friends in college and uh, one of my friends (laughs) revealed. So it was was me and two other friends. And one of them revealed to us that before he goes to see movies at the theater, he likes to go online and read about everything that happens in the movie. (laughs) So then when he gets to the theater, he knows what's coming. And we just kind of tore him apart. We're like, what are you talking about? You're ruining this experience. Like, that's the worst way (laughs) to watch a movie. And his defense was. Well, I just really want to see I like to know where things are going and we and I like to see where things are leading to or whatever. And that was his defense. So then that ended up, you know, uh, promoting like me and my other friend to make fun of that guy like the rest of the day 
pay. Um, and I remember at one point later on, we went out to eat, <laughs> we went to like a fast food place and, uh, my friend was complaining that the line was so long. <laughs> and I remember saying to him, well, shouldn't you be enjoying this line? Cause you can see where it's going. And it was just kind of like a funny running gag. So I just thought that concept was overall just really funny, but kind of obnoxious, but it's fun to see, uh, I guess where people sit on that whole concept, you know? So how do you want me to put that on the spreadsheet? Just like, so I can word it like, (laughs) (laughs) I guess like, uh, friend um i don't know peter's friend researching end of movies i don't know (laughs) i don't know if there's a way to abbreviate that further yeah i um researching movie endings all right all peter peter's friend like spoilers maybe i don't know (laughs) Uh, it works it's all right so i guess i gotta go first don't i yeah all right. So I yeah. All right. So this is this is a this is a movie that wasn't spoiled to this. Actually, I have two movies that were spoiled by something specific. That's interesting. So this movie was mildly spoiled by hype. But mildly spoiled by hype, but it was the ending wasn't spoiled to me in terms of someone told me directly what it was. The ending was spoiled to me because I was told prior to watching the movie that I will never see the twist coming. (laughs) So, um, right. So immediately the opening credits haven't ended yet. And I'm already looking for the twist. Now I'm going to say this. I do my best when I talk to people about when people ask me what I think of a movie or trying to explain a movie, like what's it about? You know, is it something I should watch any kind of conversation like that? I always try and do my best to not use the word twist. (laughs) Like, yeah, twist common. There's a lot of good twists, you know, that kind of stuff. I try not to say that because I feel telling me that there's a twist in the story is a spoiler. So the movie I'm talking about is The Sixth Sense. Right. Um, I was told that I would never see the twist coming. And within 10 minutes of the movie, I knew the twist of the story and I was angry for the rest of the film. And it completely ruined the movie for me. The movie may be great. It may be good. I can't stand that movie. And I think it's a horrible movie because I don't know if it's an issue of me catching it on my like what I have caught it on my own. I really don't know. But I just remember going I, and you know what? I'm sorry. I'm going to spoil this right now. Uh, Bruce Willis is dead. <laughs> um <laughs> You know what I this mean? is like, this is the actual lost ending. He was dead the whole time. <laughs> he was dead the whole time. Um, you know, so that's it's just, you know, you can't tell anyone that. And I walked out of the movie and like, what do you think? I'm like, eh. And they're like, what? The movie? I'm like, sorry, guys. But and, and I didn't really want to say you guys ruined it. But um, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that was a little bit of a. I mean, I can't remember specifically, but I feel like the marketing even for the sixth sense had that level of you will never guess what the twist is, you know, and I feel like that did ruin it a little bit as opposed to saying like just, you know, having the marketing say like this is a really good supernatural thriller. And then, you know, you'd go in and not expect a twist and it might be a lot more exciting. So I definitely understand the best ghost stories ever told. That would have been a better you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, come on. Like, so, yeah, whatever. Um, so yeah, the sixth sense got ruined for me because of that alone. 
Yeah. Um, well, fair enough. I definitely understand that. Um, I didn't have the same experience with that movie, but I definitely see where you're coming from. Um, since we're talking about marketing, kind of spoiling movies, and I don't know if you have this one on your list as well, but I went with one we've talked a lot about on the show, and uh, that's Thor Ragnarok, because those trailers totally spoiled the fact that the Hulk was going to be in that movie, and it really spoiled one of the best moments of the movie, one of the moments that could have potentially been you know, great, that was just kind of when you finally saw it on the big screen, it was like, well, I've already seen that when it could have been just this really epic thing. And that goes into the marketing of the movie, too. You know, like I kind of just wish the trailer didn't spoil that moment. Yeah. And you know what? Thor Ragnarok almost made me list, but I was like, we've talked a lot about that scene, about how they really screwed the pooch on that trailer um, by by showing us that the Hulk was in. And the moment we're talking about is the Hulk being in the movie, uh, the scene where he's like, yeah, he's a friend from work, that kind of stuff. Like, that should not have been in the trailer. I'm sorry. You never should have seen the Hulk in that trailer because we were already sold on the movie. Save Absolutely. The Save the surprise. That, that's what I was thinking with this list. Like, everybody who saw that movie still would have gone if they didn't know the Hulk was there. So it was just, I don't know, it just kind of sucks that that moment was spoiled. But it yeah. is what it is. I think, um, you know, Hollywood marketing teams don't necessarily always think about the um, integrity of the artwork that they're promoting and just are trying to put people's butts in seats. So, you know, it sucks, but that's kind of just the way that the cards play sometimes. Um, this is not on this didn't make my list, but another trailer that Marvel really screwed the pooch on was the Spider-Man Homecoming trailer. Um and not because they gave too much away in the trailer, but the trailer was in sequential order. Yes. So, and I remember watching the trailer going like watching the trailer and then thinking to myself, I think that was in literally sequential order. So when I watched the movie, I literally felt like I was watching an elongated version of the trailer and found myself kind of angry at the end of the movie. I was like, seriously? <laughs> so, um, Yeah. And if you take it out of if you take this discussion out of the superhero realm, I feel like that's kind of an ongoing problem with trailers nowadays. Anyways, there's plenty of them that you watch and you're just like, well, I don't really need to watch the movie anymore, unfortunately. But uh, like I said, it is what it is. <laughs> Hopefully trailers get better in the future, I guess. Right. Um, all right. Uh, <laughs> it's mine. OK, yes. so the next one for me is The Avengers. Um, this is a movie, the first one, not, not the Emma Peel Avengers where they have weather controlling stuff. Um, <laughs> this is actually Marvel's Avengers, the first one. Um, so the not as well known one is the one you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So this movie comes out and it is the biggest thing in film history ever at the time that this came out. There wasn't one person who couldn't like no one could, you couldn't go anywhere without someone talking about this movie. I did a really, really good job of staying away from spoilers and getting the story ruined for me and stuff like that. The problem was, is by the time I saw it, the hype was so huge. My expectations were beyond anything that Marvel could meet. 100 percent beyond anything Marvel could meet. There's no way they could touch the expectations I had in my head walking into that movie. And the hype completely ruined the movie for me. So in a sense... The story wasn't spoiled, but I literally was like, this movie is horrible. What are you guys talking about? How can you guys sit by this? Like, I was just angry and I started picking it apart. And I um, 
I got like legit sick and had to be in the hospital for like a week shortly after the movie came out. And I remember sitting in the hospital room seeing that I had access to the Avengers and I watched it five times that week. And I still was like, I don't get it. Why do people love this movie? <laughs> um, but now I really, really enjoy that movie. But that first few, that first handful of viewings, I could not stand it. And it was just, the hype just really, really ruined it for me. So. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I had like the complete. You're breaking up. I remember. I think I saw it. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, no, you're right. You had the complete. I assume you said opposite reaction. Absolutely. So I, I'm pretty sure I saw that movie opening day and it was one of those or opening weekend, at least. And it was one of those things where um, just seeing it in theaters, it was just such a such an amazing like it was just the vibe of the crowd and feeding off that and the movie just for me delivered in a lot of ways. So I just had such a good time, but I do understand that uh, hype can really ruin movies. So I definitely understand where you're coming from as far as that goes. Um, if I wanted to jump into my next pick, this is my only other pick on my list. That's more me witnessing a movie spoiled for somebody. And that is uh, the time I tried to watch the matrix with my wife. <laughs> Because she mentioned once that she had never seen the movie before. And yeah. somebody says that. And I think of the first time I saw The Matrix and how good of an experience it was and how there was so many mysteries going on in that movie and how you when you're sitting there halfway through the movie and you have no idea what was what is going on. But then when everything's finally explained, it's just a cool story concept. And the way it was presented was so mysterious and really kept you um, watching until like every puzzle was kind of revealed. And I just thought it was like, I think of that amazing experience I had the first time I watched the matrix. So when I heard that she had never watched it, I was like, Oh man, we got to watch this movie right now. You're going to love it. And uh, we started watching the movie and then she started saying things before they happened. She's like, Oh, I get it. They have to do this because of this. And like, oh, yeah, this happens because of this. And I found out that she had never seen the movie, <laughs> but she heard enough about the movie that she knew everything about it already. And there was a moment where she said, oh, yeah, because if the people die when they're in the Matrix, they die in real life. <laughs> and I was like, that's it. We're turning this off. This isn't fun anymore. <laughs> like you've already you you already know everything that's going to happen. This sucks sort of thing. And I just thought that was really funny. But it's kind of cool how it's. It kind of sucks, but it's kind of cool how the Matrix has gone to that sort of level where it's part of the collective like pop culture subconscious where everybody kind of knows the in, ins and outs, outs of the Matrix because that's just how big of a pop culture force it was when it came out that it's like permanently cemented in everybody's minds, even whether they've seen it or not. So I thought that that experience was frustrating. But looking back on it, I just think it's kind of funny overall. <laughs> Yeah, that is. And it you're going to have to suffer through it, man, because Matrix 4 comes out this Christmas. And what do you do? Yeah, fair you enough. Know, um, but yeah, no, I totally hear you on that. And that's it. I feel like the Avengers films, the Marvel films, even though we do a really good job of not talking about them. I feel like we're going to get to the point where everyone's going to if you didn't watch the Marvel films and suddenly you're all of a sudden like, I think I'm going to watch these. 
it, a lot of it's going to be spoiled because you're going to be putting things together. I'm like, oh, I heard about this. This is where this happens. And you're just like, really? You already know? You know, so. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I think we're getting there with certain franchises because of how big the franchises are getting. But, um, All right. So my turn. So this is one where this is where a book ruined the movie for me. Um, and it's because the movie was not the book. <laughs> so Jurassic Park comes out. And I had no knowledge of it other than the fact that I wanted to see the movie. Um, I was really, really excited to see the movie. Um, went and saw it. Absolutely loved it. Who didn't love Jurassic Park? Right. Who doesn't love Jurassic Park? Because of my love for the movie, I was like, well, I got to read this book. So I got the book, read it, absolutely loved it, made me like the movie even more, like back and forth. I think I read the book twice, watched the movie a few more times, loved it, right? They announced they're making a second Jurassic Park book or a second Jurassic Park movie. There's a new book coming out. So I went out and got the next book. Absolutely loved it. Like, absolutely <laughs> loved it. I'm like, great. This is going to be amazing. I can't wait. Movie comes out. The majority of the book never actually was the movie. Right. Something completely different. And I remember sitting there in the theater being angry that it didn't follow the source material. And I think that was probably my first moment of being angry at something not following the source material. Um, and understanding that the source material was not being handled properly. And here I am hosting a podcast going, guys, you got one job, man, get it right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so this is a movie that got ruined for me specifically because I saw, seeked out the uh, source material ahead of time. And I honestly know that if they would have stuck close to the movie or the book, I don't know if I would have hated the movie so much. If they would have stuck closer to it, I don't know if it would have bothered me as much where um, I would have had all the information. I would have had the spoilers, but I don't think it would have upset me where I was like, this isn't like, when was that in the book? Where did that happen? Like, you know, like, so whatever. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I hear you there. And uh, I do think it's funny, the idea of like, you have one job and that is to <laughs> Really, when it comes down to it, your one job is to not do anything like stop changing stuff. And just do the stuff right and uh, we'll be good to go. But no, you know, Hollywood studios always have to change up, you know, things from books or original source materials. And uh, that's a whole different conversation we could get into. But I definitely can understand where uh, I guess the spoilers would um, or I guess just that situation would really rub you the wrong way. Um but yeah, moving into uh, my next one. Um, yeah, so this is uh, this real is quick. A, oh, to inter- not to interrupt you. You were having weather problems. I just heard the thunder outside. So hopefully it doesn't affect my weather problems <laughs> because we record on my end of this podcast. Anyway, <laughs> so go ahead. Sean Connery is at it again. Um, yep. OK, so this is a interesting spoiler concept because this is a spoiler that I think like the worldwide populace has experienced and they don't realize it. And this is something that um, I was taking a British literature class in college and uh, my teacher explained this to us and I never thought about it before, but we were reading the book uh, Dracula in class, which Dracula, it's a classic, like it's a great, it's a great British novel. It's, it was just really, and it was kind of really cool to be in a class where I'm reading something that I actually like and I'm passionate about 
But the teacher pointed out to us while we were early on, she was like, you know, when this book came out, nobody knew that Dracula was a vampire, right? And everybody's like, what are you talking about? She's like, yeah, when this came out, like there was hints that Dracula might have been like Count Dracula might have been a vampire, but it really wasn't revealed until you read further into the book. But, you know, as people within the 20th and 21st century, like if you've grown up and you've watched Looney Tunes or, you know, a variety of other shows, if you've experienced trick or treating and Halloween, like everybody already knows that Dracula is a vampire. And that's why my next pick is Dracula, because in a weird way, this is a story as well as a lot of other just classic uh, literature stories. These stories have reached such a level of the I'm going to use the phrase again, but has these stories have infected the collective subconscious like so much that we all just kind of already know Dracula as a vampire. We all already know certain things. And in a weird way, it's just culture at large has spoiled (laughs) certain stories for us. And it's just really I remember my teacher saying this and just being very kind of bewildered because I never really considered that concept overall like ever before so yeah i don't know <laughs> i don't know yeah. more to say about that but that's really interesting first off i didn't know that so that's really kind of interesting in terms of like how our pop culture has evolved and there's certain things we just know before going into certain things absolutely you know and i feel i feel like there's a level of i don't know if it's the same level but i feel like there's a level of People already know that Darth Vader is uh, Luke's father before going into Star Wars at this point. I mean, I might be off base, but I feel like that's kind of getting to that same level where everybody knows that before going in. And I was just going to bring that up. That was going to literally be my uh, example that I was going to bring up because it's a great segue into my next pick, Um, which is not actually that moment in Star Wars. It's a different moment in Star Wars. And this is a uh, this is a story where. I have spoiled something for someone um, unintentionally. Um, So and I'm referring to I'm specifically referring to. All right. I'm going to say it right now. Spoiler alert. Darth Vader's death. Okay, (laughs) Um, so I don't get yelled at later. I gave you a spoiler. warning. Um, Basically, what happened was is I'm at a party. And. I a buddy of mine, his now wife at the time, it was his fiance. She had never seen the Star Wars movies. And I knew that they were going through them sequentially. And I'm pretty sure because he wanted to show them to her in sequential order. He started with episode one and they were working up. Right. OK. Yeah. Look, you can argue all you want about what order we're watching them. That I think that's what he chose to do because the story lays out chronologically. Um. So I knew they were working through him, right? I don't know if she's in earshot. It doesn't matter. Most people tone me out when I start talking <laughs> Star Wars at parties. So um, I am in – I'm at this party, and I'm in a legitimate Star Wars conversation with someone, like a deep conversation. And sometimes – and when I say that, I'm not referring to like internet banter where someone's trolling and it becomes a screaming match about I like this, you like that, you hate that, blah, blah, blah. And, you start like arguing over stuff. This was a legit conversation about the moments in Star Wars tying in. And we were discussing like the philosophies of the force and all that stuff. And I said, and I quote, it's like in the scene when Darth Vader dies, 
this and I was about to make my point and I hear a scream from the back. Oh my God, I can't believe you just did that. <laughs> and I turn around and his, at that time, fiance, now wife is standing there looking at me angry. And I was like, well, first I, I apologize, but I was like, I didn't know she was standing there. Secondly, I thought really guilty about it for about 30 seconds. And then I looked at her and said, the movie's 30 plus years old. It's your fault, not mine. <laughs> um, so I guess the argument is, what is the statute of limitations on um, a spoiler? Um, as far as I'm concerned, 30 plus years means I'm in the OK. <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, yeah. I. I, I can understand that I spoiled Darth Vader's death by mistake because of. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, no, I, that story is just really funny. I kind of think it'd be a funny, uh, scene to recreate in like a comedy film or something like that. Like that's really amusing. I kind of understand the argument that like you should never spoil something like no matter how old it is. But when it comes to star Wars, like this is a movie that like, if you don't want to watch it, like anybody who hasn't seen Star Wars at this point, I feel like has made a point not to watch it. So it's one of those few movie series that I really don't ever feel guilty spoiling. But I just think the situation is so the situation you went through is so unexpected and so funny that it's uh, I don't know. That's just a really amusing story overall. <laughs> right. I just like I knew she was watching it, but I didn't know she was standing there behind me. But. It was a great conversation, and then now she's mad at me for the rest of the party. But whatever. It was her fault, not mine. <laughs> Movie's 30-plus years old. Um, all right, man, so what's your second-to-last pick of the night? Yeah, so my second-to-last pick is also a uh, Star Wars Star Wars movie. Um, I've talked on the podcast before about how when Episode Seven came out, um, The Force, the Force Awakens— um, I was unable to see that movie opening night. Um, it was one of those things where there was, you know, you had your advanced showings Thursday and uh, I wasn't able to go that night. And uh, by Friday, I really wanted to go, but I just couldn't find anybody to go. with me. And by Saturday, it was just killing me. Like, I didn't care. Like, I actually went to see the movie myself because I just couldn't find everybody I knew had already seen it or they were too busy. And I was like. I really need to see this movie because everywhere I go, people are talking about it. Everywhere I go, there's either signs or toys like everything is just saying Star Wars. And I feel like I'm the only person on the planet who hasn't seen this movie. So I just made a point to just go by myself. I was like, screw it. I'm sick of waiting. I'm sick of trying to work this out with people. I'm just going to go. Um, but the point is, the spoiler part comes in where. In that meantime, before I was actually to see able to see the movie, um, somebody on the Anime Central Facebook group. So Anime Central is a big anime convention in Chicago that's really awesome. But somebody in that Facebook group thought it would be a great idea to post a screenshot of a very pivotal scene in that movie. And uh, here's a spoiler. But they posted a screenshot of Han Solo dying. And so going into the movie, I already knew that was going to happen. And that really, really pissed me off. Um, either way, I really had a great time at the, that theater for that experience and stuff. But I really wish that that moment wasn't spoiled for me. So <laughs> that's the moral of this story is 
don't be a dick online. Like, don't post spoilers because that's really obnoxious. (laughs) Right. Um, I don't I kind of spoiled that moment for myself in a way because there was so much discussion and speculation about what got Harrison Ford back. Um, So, for example, going into the movie, I didn't know he was going to die. But prior to the movie, we knew that he wanted Harry, he wanted Harrison Ford wanted Han Solo to die in um, Return of the Jedi. He wanted him yeah. to die in Empire Strikes Back. So when they thought him out, he wasn't going to be alive. He wanted that. Um, they only had him contracted for the one movie. Um, and just those pieces of information alone, you're just like, well, he's probably going to die. <laughs> so when the scene came up, I was like, yeah. That makes sense. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I feel like I was like, I wasn't devastated by it the way everyone else was. And like, I'm like, really? You guys didn't see that coming? Like piecing it together just from behind the scenes stuff. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, no, that's funny. And I know you've talked about it before, but yeah, that's yeah, that that kind of sucks that, you know, and everyone's been really good about spoilers lately. Like they're like, hey, I'm. You know, it seems like there's a spoiler embargo and people are good about announcing, hey, I'm going to talk about this now, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so mine is also my last one for the night is also a Star Wars uh, spoiler. Okay. Um, this is a so it's my last pick of the night. This is in what I referred to last week as the spoiler heard around the world. This is probably one of the worst spoiled moments in all of pop culture in my opinion every star wars fan is going to know exactly what i'm talking about when i tell this story um and this you're specifically referring to qui-gon's death in star wars episode one and you're thinking to yourself well i mean yeah that sucks to have that part spoiled for you but that wasn't that wasn't the big moment of episode one that everyone probably would have like jumped out your throat about um the way this got spoiled for me and the way this got spoiled for every Star Wars fan who can say they're a Star Wars fan. Now, I'm not trying to make a distinction. I'm not trying to draw a line. But there are Star Wars fans out there that say they're Star Wars fans. And then there's Star Wars fans out there that go and buy the soundtracks and listen to the scores in their cars and in their houses and stuff like that. I'm one of those Star Wars fans where I listen to the scores. I love the soundtracks. When Episode One released... Two weeks prior to the movie releasing, they released the soundtrack. Now, the soundtrack technically is kind of a spoiler, but they had already released the track Duel of the Fates because they had that music video on on MTV that played a lot that year. Um, so we were it was kind of like ramping up for the movie and it, it was really exciting because it was like a behind the scenes sizzle reel to the Duel of the Fates score that John Williams wrote for that movie. Yeah, I remember that that video being huge, actually, like that was awesome. <clears throat> Um, so you had, uh, you, you had this like, and I, and I was like, I have to have a copy of this song. I have to have this song. The music as a whole, I don't know if the music by itself is really a spoiler. Cause I don't have a problem listening to a soundtrack, like a score and then going and seeing the movie. It doesn't really ruin the movie for me. Um, when it came to the sequel trilogy, like force awakens and stuff, I waited till I saw the movie before I listened to the soundtracks, even though I got them ahead of time because they release them like a day early kind of thing. Um, so I get the soundtrack for episode one. I listen to it. It's awesome. And then I start reading through the track list and you get all the way to the end. And there's a track titled Qui-Gon's end. 
And we all went, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> like they legit told us two weeks in advance that Qui-Gon was going to die. And they told the world because it's literally right there. It's like Qui-Gon's end. And then it's like the funeral and all that stuff. Like that's the next track is like the funeral. And you're just like, are you serious? Like, <laughs> but yeah, that's really messed up. That sucks. But any, but any Star Wars fan who knows what I'm talking about, you're probably screaming right now going, I know exactly what you're talking about. I was there too. Um, so, yeah, dude, Qui-Gon's End, um, ruined by the soundtrack because of a company decision to put that as the title of the song. So um, thinking of episode one, um, I actually had something spoiled for me before I saw that movie. But that was actually that uh, Darth Maul, at least at that time, we uh, thought that he died at the end of the movie. Like I had a friend in uh, I was in like middle school when that movie came out and I had a friend who saw it thursday at midnight and you know i wasn't going to see the movie till friday and uh my friend spoiled the end for me but at the time i didn't care because star wars was back in theaters <laughs> that's amazing so um, yeah. i didn't mind but i definitely can understand that qui-gon situation that's really frustrating yeah, yeah, yeah. no i didn't see darth maul getting cut in half but at the same time it's <laughs> like you know that was more of the spoil that was more of the shocking moment for me like oh crap they killed the big bad guy we thought we were gonna get for three movies <laughs> you know um mm-hmm. So, yeah, but Qui-Gon's death, man, like, even though even though I half ex- would have expected it because, like, he becomes like the Obi-Wan character who sort of <laughs> the force ghost or whatever. Like, that's how I was expecting it to go. But whatever. Um, the fact that they told us ahead of time that that was going to happen, that's just kind of really ruined it, kind of ruined it for me. It didn't matter. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter because Star Wars is back in theaters and it's awesome. But you didn't have to tell me that two weeks ahead of time. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, what's um, your final pick for the night? Yeah, so my final pick is one of the few um, movies that was spoiled for me, but I actually ended up really enjoying that experience in a weird way. So um, I've mentioned this before, but my last pick is the movie and book uh, Fight Club. And uh, this is a movie that uh, it came out when the movie came out. I was a little too young to see it. Like I still wasn't old enough to see R rated movies, but I always thought it looked cool and I always wanted to check it out. But um VH1 used to have these shows uh, called like the first one was called I Love the 80s, which was like a documentary series about every year in the 80s. And then they did I Love the 90s and they did a couple different decades. But in the I Love the 90s series, they actually spoil the end of Fight Club. (laughs) So I was watching the uh, episode about. 1998 or 1999 whatever whenever this movie came out i was watching that episode and they totally give away the big twist in the movie and i was like what the heck like you seriously just ruined that ending you know i haven't had a chance to see this movie yet um so ever since i i found out about that um i kind of avoided the movie for a number of years and uh i remember i was in college and i had a friend who lent me the book fight club because they were just like this is really good book you should you should read it And I went through and I read the book, but I knew the ending, but I still really enjoyed it because if you know the story of Fight Club and you've either seen the movie or read the book, you know, there's a lot of little hints and little um, things that lead up to the big twist. And it was kind of just a really actually rewarding experience to uh, know how the how the story ends or know the big twist and then just see everything leading up to it. And then after that, I went and watched the movie and I was one astonished at how close the movie is to the book, actually. Like, I feel like 
it's honestly nearly exactly the same, except for a couple scenes they had to switch up. And the ending is a little bit the movie ending is the movie ends a little bit earlier than the book does. But overall, like I was so surprised how close the movie was to the book. But I also just really enjoyed the film even though I knew where it was going, I was able to pick up all those little Easter eggs and all those little hints that were alluding to the end of the film. And it ended up just being one of my favorite sort of movies and books, which is kind of to end the note. I know, I know there's a lot of maybe disappointments we had um, throughout our lives that we mentioned just now, but to end the list on a high note, this is an experience where I had where something was spoiled for me and it ended up going on to be one of my favorite um, sort of bits of pop culture. Like it ended up being one of my favorite books and movies. And I just kind of thought that experience was really cool, despite the fact that I had to deal with a huge spoiler the whole time. So I don't really know what to make of that, but I just think it's kind of an interesting uh, series of events. What kind of sucks about that is you got you were told like what kind of sucks about that is, yeah, you didn't it didn't it wasn't like as ruined for you as it probably could have been. But you were picking up on all the Easter eggs ahead of time where I feel like that movie's better on like the third viewing and you're still picking up on stuff. You know what I mean? Like that's when your, your mind starts to really like because that's a movie you don't watch once. That's a movie you watch like six, seven times before you really put it put it away. And every time I see it, that's a movie that I catch something new because of how layered that script was. So, yeah. Like there's the, um, and this is going to be a potential spoiler. So audience be warned, but there's the part where, um, the main character is talking about how he's beating himself up to basically avoid being fired or avoid being in trouble with his boss. Like he starts punching himself in the face and stuff just to freak his boss out. And there's a line at that part where he says, I don't know why, but I thought of my first fight with Tyler Durden at this moment. And uh, that's something that I caught. Um, like, I caught that connection the first time I read the book and the first time I saw the movie, as opposed yeah, to yeah. that's one of those things that most people probably wouldn't pick up on until they're like third or fourth viewing. So yeah, that's, a, that's a really subtle one, too. That's something that you don't <laughs> pick up on right away. But absolutely. Um, yeah, dude, that's awesome. Well, that's not awesome, but like it's messed up, but that's still an awesome. <laughs> it's messed up on uh, VH1's part, but uh, it still ended up being like one of my favorite movies. So it is what it is. You know? it, is one of the, it is one of the best movies, man. Um, all right. Well, that kind of brings us to the end of the show. Um, next week, my thought process was let's talk about um, I literally looked back in the uh, uh, list and I was like, how have we not done this yet? Um, so we're going to talk about spaceships next week and traveling through the stars. So your top five favorite fictional spaceships. So don't bring in like a space shuttle. Um, you know, <laughs> we're, not, we're not talking NASA. We're talking fictional spaceships. And there's so many out there. What if it's like the specific space shuttle from Armageddon? <laughs> <laughs> well, that that is a fictional space shuttle. And if you look at it. If you look at that space shuttle, it was designed very specifically to be something special. That's true. That's um, it's true. Not, it's not your normal space shuttle design and stuff like that. So I would allow that if that was really one that made your list. Um, but no, there's there's a lot of really cool spaceships out there. And I just was like, we've never talked about, like we talked about fictional vehicles once, but we've never talked about specifically that uh, that setting. So. Anyway. Yeah, this is uh, this is a really fun list. Um, I'm hoping there's no limit to Star Wars ships because there's a lot of really cool ones. But 
there's also a lot of just really awesome spaceships out there from other uh you know pop culture franchises so this will be a really fun list i think i'm not putting and like i don't mind if you pull video games and stuff either like i'm not putting a limit on the star wars ships because literally i could show up with like a list of five star wars ships but at the same time um there's some really cool things out there in terms of like different franchises. So I might just try and pick one from star Wars and just be happy with it. <laughs> but, um, and I might throw some curveballs because like, you know, yeah, the millennium Falcon is really cool, but like, I love that Imperial shuttle. I think is one of the coolest like ship designs in terms of like, you know, a spaceship. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's what we got tonight, everybody. So let's Peter, let's throw this episode in the can. Um, do us all a favor, uh, check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with the link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. Uh, you can interact with the show there, hit us up on our uh, social media, either way it works. Um, we're on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to us. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review, which we love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter. Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre. And that's where I will be spoiling the end of the beloved Sinbad film Shazam. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, isn't that Kazam? No, Kazam oh. is, the, is the one with Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, right. My bad. All right. Anyway. Um, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, see you next week.